welcome everyone. We're here with the next edition of SPAC Chat. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the somewhat controversial topic of sponsor equity. I'm Tom Burton with the Mintz Law Firm, and I'm joined today by my colleagues Jeff Schultz and Sahir Sermeli. Um, as you may know from our earlier edition, we're uh, 20 plus year, uh, nearly 25 year veterans of the firm uh, working in a variety of areas, specifically of late in the SPAC world. We, in our last edition, busted a few myths on SPACs, and today we're going to do a deep dive for a few minutes on the controversial topic of sponsor equity. So I'm going to kick things off with a question for Jeff, which is, what is sponsor equity? Yeah, so this is Jeff Schultz, uh, and, and I've had a lot of experience in SPACs for 20 years. And so founders equity is the founder shares acquired by the sponsor or the founders for $25,000. And it results in a 20% ownership stake of the company post IPO. So they're able to acquire a, a lot of shares, a good, a big, good stake of the, of the company for uh, a small amount. Uh, well, let me stop also, you right there. Yeah. Let me, let me make sure I understand that. They pay $25,000 and they get 20% of whatever is done post IPO. If the SPAC raises $200 million, are we talking $40 million worth of stock? Yes, that is that is the way it works. Now, interesting. And, and by the way, Jeff, Jeff and Tom, I'm going to jump, jump in. This is uh, Sir Mally. Um, the, the, uh, it, it, it's really interesting uh, because you do get 20%, but you get to keep the 20% only if the SPAC is ultimately successful. If the SPAC uh, finds a target and completes a business combination. So uh, as, as most people I think know, in a SPAC, the structure provides that the original capital raise, so Tom, you said 200 million, um, the, the proceeds or the net proceeds go into a trust fund. And if the SPAC doesn't do the deal in, in the you know, two year typically lifespan of the SPAC, the money goes back to the uh, folks who bought the stock. And all of that money goes back to the stockholders who paid for the stock. It doesn't, none of it goes to the stock sponsor. So Great. although okay. they get 20%, it's only 20% if there's a positive outcome. It's only uh, worse than okay. thing if there's a positive outcome. Now, this, the sponsors and founder also put up at-risk capital at the time of the IPO. So in addition to the $25,000 they're paying for the founder shares, they're also buying uh, what's typically either private placement warrants or private placement units for uh, what's typically somewhere between two and five percent of the total offering proceeds. So they're putting up real money also that is at risk that will, if, the, if you don't do a business combination within the, those two years, um, those warrants or units are worthless. And so that money is at risk. So it's more than just the $25,000 typically that the sponsor has to put up. Um, and Got so it too. There's an incentive to get a deal done um, because otherwise those securities aren't worth anything. Got it. So for example, in this $200 million hypothetical, which is not an uncommon amount to be raised in one of these IPOs, you're talking four to $10 million of at-risk capital. So it's it's not uh, not nothing, I guess, at the end of the day. That's right. That's yeah. right. And, and, and that, that money is going, you know, setting up a SPAC, doing an IPO, hiring accountants, hiring lawyers, hiring uh, folks that, uh, you know, put up your website and do all the things that a business has to do 
in order to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ, and that these SPACs are corporations and they're listing, there's filing fees on top of that. So that all costs money. So the at-risk capital, the, the people who are driving the setup of the SPAC, um, are putting all that up. And, and, and some of that can be lost, for example, if, the, if they can't even get the SPAC IPO done. So um, they, they do get a healthy chunk of equity, but they, they also bear some of the hardline costs that no one else has to bear if, if uh, there's no IPO completion or if there's no merger at the end of the SPAC. That's a good point. So back in the, you know, right now we're in a moment where, you know, SPACs are um, successfully being raised, the IPO, the cash is successfully being raised. But for many, many years, there were uh, plenty of uh, scenarios when, you know, SPACs were attempted and not, and not raised, you know. So, you know, we're only seeing, you know, one side of the coin right now, which is the success cases. And so um, that's that's actually really illuminating and, so, and somewhat helpful. Now, it, you know, I also kind of think about it saying, hey, you know, it's, this is a little bit like, you know, the carry that a venture capital fund general partners might have, right? You know, they raise money, uh, they invest it, and they get, you know, um, after, you know, repayment of principal, you know, a 20% carry. So it doesn't sound too different than that. Well, let's fast forward into uh, into the DSPAC process, right? So these folks um, who sponsored it put in some capital, they're earning 20%. Uh, now they're negotiating um, with a an operating company, you know, the acquisition target. And we like to think about success cases because otherwise we wouldn't be doing this podcast. So let's talk about how those negotiations typically wind up. I'll, uh, I'll turn it to either you know, Saw or Jeff, whoever wants to jump in and talk about yeah, that. This is Jeff. I'll, I'll take that initially. So uh, what we're seeing now with the uh, extreme competition for good target companies we are seeing a lot of founder and sponsor shares being negotiated to be canceled or transferred at closing or having some type of uh, earnout structure where if the stock trades at certain price levels then the sponsor is able to keep the shares or as a forfeit shares uh, depending on, on those, those stock targets so you're seeing a lot of negotiating around the the sponsor shares and whether they are able to keep they're twenty percent, or do they have to be reduced to, um, you know, fifteen, ten percent, you know, or lower? Uh, so they're seeing a lot of negotiations around that, um, and it's um, it's a very important piece and um, you know, part of, me, of of the deal. Tell me about um, that history. Historically, have we seen negotiations of the sponsor equity being reduced or eliminated, or is this really a function of supply demand imbalance in the market currently? It's become more supply and demand. You know, it would happen occasionally back in the uh, the last iteration of SPACs, um, you know, years ago, um, and kind of the the beginning part of this SPAC boom. I guess you wouldn't see it as often nowadays with um, just so many SPACs out there looking for deals and and a lot of them getting snatched up. Good companies, you're seeing it more and more. The SPACs are being uh, played off each other, and we're seeing SPAC offs where number of SPACs um, are bidding for a certain company and have to provide the best terms. Um, so in, in those cases, yeah, we're seeing a lot of negotiations um, around those founder shares. Yo, I've got a question yeah. for Sa. Uh, you know, Sa, yeah. just to put a, a finer point on it in negotiations, though, let's say, for example, you know, you're um, you've got that $200 million SPAC and, and they're, um, they're giving the, the DSPAC partner a, a billion dollar valuation. Um, 
can't you somewhat mitigate the dilution uh, that the sponsored shares have on the overall transaction just simply by walking up the valuation? Or am I missing something there? No, it's a, it's a great question. You know, I think I think one of the uh, I think one of the things that uh, has really caused a lot of excitement about SPACs is um, is that it, it brings a new kind of transformative transformative capital to the capital markets. You know, um, it, it, the the number of public companies over the last twenty or so years has gone down by fifty percent. Um, you know, going from my, uh, I, I have a, I have a data point from one of the banks saying, you know, it was eight thousand, and it's gone down to four thousand, um, and and so you see over the years there's been less, there's been fewer IPOs, and so you know, SPACs now are are a way of the public market saying we think we can identify companies that are dramatically that would dramatically benefit from large infusions of capital, and that's. Sort of what IPOs would do, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And yes, there was, you know, sort of a run up in the in the tech uh, boom. Um, but what they would essentially say is, hey, with a lot more money, you would be more you would be more valuable because you would be able to pursue transformative technologies. And so. Um, when you're a company that in the private markets is being valued at 500 million and someone says, well, geez, if you were public, you'd be valued at a billion dollars. Um, you, you, you can be a little less sensitive to saying, well, do you get a couple of extra percentage points uh, for helping us identify, package up and drive that value? So uh, I think that, Tom, your, your point is, I think, in, or as part of that question, we're saying is the bigger the deal, the ultimate deal, that 20% becomes a, of the original IPO becomes a lot smaller. So 20% of 200 million. Um, so it's, it's one, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, it's one fifth of the pie. Um, but if you buy something that's a lot bigger, the pie has gotten a lot bigger, and that percentage, so if it's a billion-dollar company and there's a pipe attached to it, that percentage is going down to 5%, 6%, 7% of the overall package as opposed to, you know, 20%. Right, and so there's this interesting dynamic here where then you're saying, hey, the cost of doing this is, you know, hypothetically 5%, right, in this, uh, to the to the partner in addition to all other transaction costs. And so I guess that maybe when you're, well, first of all, you know, it's hard to compare to a normal IPO because, you know, this is a scenario where the cash exists. There's maybe some greater certainty in being able to get these kinds of deals done, you know, but there's an arbitrage cost to that, right? And maybe that gets, you know, compared, you know, to some degree loosely against the underwriting discounts, perhaps. I'm, I'm just trying to think through, you know, how, how you would try to create a, relatively apples to apples comparison as to what that sponsor equity means to the overall cost of the uh, of the DSPAC. Yeah, well, there's no question that it, it is dilution. Um, so the question is how much dilution and also how much, what's your valuation? How much money are you getting? Um, so you can tolerate some dilution if you're getting, you know, it, huge infusion of capital that you maybe otherwise wouldn't be getting. Um, so right now we are seeing that. So the dilution that we're accepting and, and, and it's not 20%, right? We're, we're kind of you know, these days kind of negotiating that down somewhat. 
but you know, getting such huge amounts of capital in that um, it makes it worth it for these tar for target companies currently. Um, that you know, that could change in the future. You know, who knows? Yeah, it seems that you're developing uh, over time uh, what is effectively a more efficient market, right? Assu assuming there is sufficient cash, you know, and you have that little bit of supply and demand imbalance, structurally, SPACs may be modified in order to to accommodate. Well, interestingly, are we on the on the SPAC IPO side, are either of you seeing sponsors who are going into the SPAC saying, well, I recognize that on the DSPAC process, there may be some dilution. I'll start out with less than 20% to begin with, A, to attract the capital in the public markets, and B, to be able to sell the fact that I've got a more efficient SPAC to, to be partnered with an operating company. Any, any, any yeah. considerations there? There was a recent, uh, I'm not going to know the name right here, uh, but there's a recent SPAC by a private equity, well-known private equity sponsor, um, and they positioned it, I think, something like, uh, if we do a, a D-SPAC transaction with, a, with somebody in our own portfolio, so it's you know somehow a sister company or you know that we that that where we already earned some money on the other side of a good outcome, um, we will relinquish. Uh, I think it was I can't remember if it's all or a significant portion of our sponsor equity. So they yep. sort of putting some gravy in there because they're saying, hey, you know, uh, uh, now we actually have an incentive from a financial perspective for everybody in the room. To be excited if we happen to be back with uh, a portfolio company. So I thought yeah. that was really innovative and very cool. And the the Ackman SPAC, um, you know, has a lower promote. And also, we just uh, considering dilution. We also were working on a SPAC IPO where there are no warrants uh, because that's another um, level of dilution that the, the target companies don't particularly like. And so we have a, a SPAC that we just filed, just another acquisition corp um, that um, it doesn't have warrants. So, you know. So there's a lot of levers to pull here, it sounds like, um, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, may, maybe the takeaways as we begin to wrap up on this session is that, you know, sponsor equity, you know, is it's not free to the sponsor. There is risk um, and there are, they do put millions of dollars, you know, at, at risk in doing so. Um, and you know the supply demand imbalance currently is creating a trend where negotiation does occur uh, as to the ultimate ownership uh, of the sponsor equity. Uh, and there are a variety of ways in which that can be worked through. And even some forward thinking SPACs are structuring themselves on day one uh, to, uh, to better align with the operating companies um, and create more market efficiencies. Any closing thoughts from uh, either of you? Yeah, so I think um, this, kind of goes to the point where uh, experienced counsel in SPACs and DSPAC transactions is very important in getting the best deal for, um, you know, target companies. You know, there's different levers to pull, there's different deals that can be struck. Um, and so you really need experienced counsel who's uh, familiar with these negotiations and uh, knows what to look for. I think it's very important. Yeah, I agree, Jeff, and, and I, I add that uh, it's very exciting to see the innovation going on uh, because people have a lot of opportunity to bring new uh, types of capital to the table and drive lots of innovation, and, and we, we love that. We love to see the companies uh, with great outcomes uh, to be able to build great uh, and continue to build great businesses, and uh, that happens when everybody's aligned. So I think when you see this kind of stuff, you see that 
capital markets are aligning with opportunities and it's exciting times. Great point. It's not necessarily adversarial as much as it's collaborative, ultimately trying to get to the point of having a tremendously successful business operating company at the end of the day, because everyone wins in those categories. Well, uh, again, great, great session, guys. Uh, looking forward to the next one. We'll do another SPAC chat in the next couple of weeks. Uh, topics, uh, well, uh, to be determined. Um, and certainly, if any of our audience members are curious about topics, uh, uh, feel free to lob into uh, any of our Mint's uh, emails, uh, Jeff Schultz, Tom Burton, or Sassermelli, your ideas, and maybe we'll take them up uh, in our next sessions. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.